Amen? Good morning, guys. Everybody doing good? Full disclosure, I'm freezing. So if I, like, move around a lot more than normal, uh, that is the reason for that. My hands have progressively gotten more and more cold. Thankfully, I do not have to flip any pages in my Bible today. Uh, otherwise, we might wind up in Leviticus, and you guys would be upset with me because we are in Exodus. So if you've got your Bible, uh, we're in Exodus chapter 18. We're going to finish out 18 this morning. We'll begin reading the text in verse 13. As you flip there, uh, I want to make a quick reminder that tonight is our family reunion right here at the Park and Rec at 5 p.m. Uh, I think we're having pizza. Um, we had asked for registration, but if you haven't registered, don't let that deter you from coming. This is uh, we, we do these regularly to help you get connected to a family group, which is, uh, in our church model, is outside of the Sunday gathering, is the most important thing that we do. It's how we live life together. It's our context for biblical community. Uh, it's our small group model, if you will. And um, so we want to help you get connected. We leverage family reunion to do that. If you're already a part of a family group, it's a way for all of our groups to come together and be renewed um, just by spending time together and enjoying fellowship. And so make every effort to be there. Um, I'm looking forward to, to being there, and um, I hope you'll join us. So tonight, five o'clock here at the Park and Rec. Okay, let's, let's read in um, Exodus 18, verse 13. I'm going to go ahead and read through the end of the chapter, so just bear with me, but I feel like it's best for us to get the text out in front of us, and then we'll come back and we'll do some street sweeping, okay? So this is Exodus 18, verse 13 says this. This is the word of the Lord. And praise God for this text. This is a, this is a good one. It says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God. And his laws. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, verse 19, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds of fifties and of tens. Verse 22, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Verse 23, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. 
So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any smaller matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. So if you're just joining us uh, here at the branch, maybe this is your first Sunday, we're, we've been walking slowly through the book of Exodus, and really what we get, I'm not going to call this the climax of Exodus, but this is really the, the, the re-acclimatization of Exodus. Really for Moses, this is the grounding, okay? This is, Moses is, uh, he's become, uh, praise God, uh, through a lot of uh, doubt and fear and anxiety, he's become a really good leader, okay? But really good leaders have really good people around them, and Moses was failing in that area. So here's what I know about leadership, and I want to be really clear that this message is not about leadership. It's about more than that, but it's not about less than that. And so we're going to talk a lot about leadership, but I want you to keep in mind that in the context that it's not just leadership principles, but this is about humility before God. It's about humility before your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about humility before the church. And and the most important, it's about obedience to God, the glory of God, and the good of those that God has graciously put around you, okay? All of those things equal leadership, okay? But it's more than that. And so... I just want to keep us, I'm going to remind you of that at the close this morning, um, but just that we have to start there. Yes, there are some really tangible leadership principles here, but these are things to center us on Christ and Christ alone, okay? So if we're good there, I'm going to jump in, and I think the, the most important thing that we see here is Moses has grown in humility. What we saw early in Exodus when God calls Moses and he says, speak to the people, and he goes, I'm not a good speaker, right, was not humility, that was false humility guised in anxiety and fear, okay? He wasn't being humble. He was trying to not do the work, all right? Humility is submission, okay? Submitting to what God is calling you to do regardless of how good you are at it, okay? We can grow in Christ's likeness every day. That's part of sanctification, the process of becoming like Christ. So what God's calling you to, he will prepare you for, but it takes time, okay? So know this, when God calls you to go plant a church, and I'm going to share a lot of my story because a lot of failed leadership is in my own experience, okay? I wish I had a Jethro. Uh, Didn't have a Jethro. I had some Jethros, weren't really quite Jethro, and their advice didn't pan out, okay? I'm joking. Lighten up. Let's go. It's cold in here. All right, I'm going to start a fire. Um, But I do want to share part of my own past experience because a lot of what what is coming out of this text is stuff that we don't teach the next generation of leadership, the church leaders, people who are going to commit their lives to serving the church. And that doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or a church planter, but it may mean that you join a church planting team and you're sent out from here to go participate in what God's doing in another place, okay? So you don't have to be the point guy to serve God well. All right, just know that. So I want you to hear that. But here's, here's what I know is that the, the real, the foundation here is Moses really cares and respects Jethro. Now, to keep it in context, Jethro just became a follower of Yahweh, right? He comes back into town. They're at the base of Mount Sinai, right? He's from Midian. Jethro's from Midian. Again, to keep it in context, this is where Moses flees when he kills a guy, 
Okay, that's where he runs to. His wife, Zipporah, this is her father, Jethro, okay? So in a good family context, father-in-laws, they will disciple, they will shepherd, they will lead the son-in-law because they care about their daughter, all right? So this is a healthy relationship. And Jethro, in his conversion, he's looking at the masses of people and he's saying, hey, what you're doing here is not going to be sustainable, all right? Now, what I know about leaders, what I know about young leaders, is there's a lot of zeal behind a young leader. No one knows more than a 24-year-old who just got out of college. They are the smartest people on the planet, and they don't know anything about the real world, okay? If you're 24 and you just graduated from college, we love you. This is a safe place, but I'm not wrong, okay? All right? So what I want us to start with is notice that you're not humble at 24, Okay, that's what I know, all right? So w- what we've got to do is we've got to notice the humility of Moses here. And he has a, an ability to hear loving criticism from a man he respects, okay? Loving criticisms. There, there are two types of criticisms, okay? There's negative criticism, which is you, 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 you did this wrong. You, you, you are bad, right? And it's always pointing, deflecting on you. Have you ever felt that? That's not fun, okay? When someone sits you down in a meeting and they say, you're doing everything wrong and you're terrible at what you're doing, guess what you're not? You're not encouraged, okay? You'll probably quit, and that's probably what's going to lead to your burnout, okay? But watch what Jethro does here, because he does put a lot of responsibility on Moses, but he does it in a way, in a healthy context, because he's building a foundation that what Moses is being called to is bigger than Moses, Okay? And I think that's the danger that Moses is finding himself in, is he's putting himself at the center rather than Yahweh being at the center. Okay? So uh, there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis. You've probably heard this. If you've read Mere Christianity, this is one of the, the key kind of peaks in, this, uh, in that book. But uh, Lewis says this. He says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Okay? And I think we all have something to learn in that, even if you're You've matured past the 24-year-old, all, you know, know-it-all kind of thing. Even if you're the 18-year-old who wants to be the 24-year-old know-it-all, I think we have a lot to learn here, okay? That it's not thinking less of yourself. You have a lot of value, okay? Maybe that's what you need to hear if you are the 24-year-old who's going to light the world on fire. You have a lot of value, and we want to let you go do that, okay? But we want to make sure that you don't hit the wall, all right? We want to make sure that you have the people around you, you have the resources around you, so that when you get sent out on mission, which you have a couple guys in Cambodia right now, the most important thing we can do, yes, is make sure they had the resources to get there, but to covenant and praying that they won't become tired, that they won't grow weary, that they'll continue to do the work of God in a place that I know nothing about, okay? So that's what we're talking about here. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself Less. I think the question that I want to use before we pivot back into the text is, can you handle correction? And this is why I've been picking on a 24-year-old, because I was the 24-year-old, okay? Uh, when, when I graduated uh, from college, uh, I knew that God was calling me to be a church planter. I was obsessed with it. That's all I wanted to do. And I was reading the books. I was taking the classes. I had gone to seminary as a church planting major, okay? And then I started to have a breakdown, I started to look at the world around me, the people that were in my life, the people that I cared about. A lot of them were college students because I was just out. I was an athlete, so all of my teammates, there was one other Christian on our team, one, which made two, 
okay? Neither one of us were great Christians at the time, but we were pretty committed to studying the Bible. We understood the gospel. We were trying to communicate that to our teammates, but we were the only two. That's a hard place to be, okay? And then I transitioned from college to now I'm working in a church. I'm going to seminary. I'm leading a college Bible study, and the only people in my life were Christians, okay? But what I was convicted of in this church planting journey was that I had figured out a new way to do church. It was arrogance, okay? So when, when we were in Texas, uh, we gra- I graduated from seminary in 2013. In the spring of 2013, we had just started planting a church. Like, this is as green as green gets, okay? I think I was 27, all right? So sorry to the 24-year-olds. I was 27 when we planted in Dallas, all right? And here's what we had. We had a ton of resources. We had a lot of confidence. We had a lot of conviction. Guess what we didn't have? We had no friends. None. We had no people. We had nobody who was older than us who would come around us, not for the sake of the church plant, but for the sake of us. So we had a lot of older people, and if they're going to listen to this, I don't mean this in a negative way, they cared a whole lot about the outcome of the church plant, and they cared very little about the outcome of me as a man. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So what Jethro is doing, he's saying, yes, this thing is important. The church is important. Israel is important. But what's important is if you don't take care of yourself, if you're not humble enough to receive correction, you're going to fail. Israel never makes it if Moses doesn't listen to Jethro. You know why? Because Jethro burns out. I mean, Moses burns out, okay? That's where we were. That was our, that's our story. We need people. And look, I mean, just, okay, this came up in our members meeting this morning, which if you remember and you weren't at the meeting, hello? I'm just kidding. That was a ricochet shot. I didn't mean it. But we were in our members meeting, and one of the things that we were talking about in the meeting this morning was how do we create environments? How do we create space for people to get connected, right? Well, we do that by having really good leaders, all right? And one of the ways that we develop leaders is we relinquish control, all right? That's what you're doing in leadership. Is in our family groups, we have godly people who are leading those groups, all right? I can't lead every group. There's a time in my life when I want to have my hands on every single thing that the church did. That's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for me, Okay, so we get these tangible principles, but what I want to ask is how do you handle correction? At that time in my life, I handled correction like this. Uh-uh, you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. Hey, I don't think you should do it like this. I think you should do it like, no, I don't think, you, I think you're wrong, right? And it was that pride, it was that arrogance that ultimately deteriorated our, my formation, okay? My Christ-likeness wasn't a great pastor, probably wasn't a great husband, probably wasn't a great servant in the community because I had things that I was trying to do my way. And guess what? I got tired. I got burned out. And you know what we're not going to do here? We're not going to do that, right? So even going back to like who we are as the branch, we have, we have a, we have, we're elder-led, okay? We're going to get to that but we also have a bunch of guys who have other jobs who work here because I'm not in control, all right? I'm the guy that you're going to hear from most often, okay? But you're not going to hear from me every week. We've talked about this in the past. It's good for you to hear other voices. It's good for me to not be up here. 
Okay? So just know that. All right? So how do you handle correction? Have you positioned yourself in such a way that no one can or will speak truth into your life? That's a dangerous place to be. And from experience, don't get to that point. All right? John Acuff says this. He says, people who can't be questioned often end up doing questionable things. I'm going to say that again. Okay? People who can't be questioned often end up doing questionable things things, okay? Be thoughtful. Be mindful of that. Now, let's dive back into the text. Last week, I promised a ton of slides. Here they come. You ready? So, if you've got your notebook, uh, you better write fast because I'm 17 minutes in, okay? And my covenant to you is no more than 35 minutes every week. Sometimes I fail you. Sometimes um, I hit it on the nose. But critical feedback, is crucial to godly leaders. And so here's what we see with Jethro. The first thing he says to Moses, now just keep it in context here, okay? The, the verse 13 says, the next day, okay? So this is immediately after last week's text, which was where we saw Jethro encouraging and kind of he's, he's like, I heard all that God's doing. Tell me the story, okay? So the next day, now Jethro's feeling pretty good about what Yahweh's done. He's saying, hey, Moses, what you're doing is not good, all right? So it doesn't take, you don't have to be a Christian for 45 years to step into someone's life to encourage them, all right? So he says, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. So when Jethro sees this, we begin to see this in verses 17 and 18. The first thing he says, what you are doing is not good, okay? Now, it takes a lot of courage to tell someone that, okay? So props to Jethro. It also takes a lot of courage to receive that, Okay, so props to Moses. The second thing, and this is, now you can see, I hope you see the great love that Jethro has for Moses. The burden you're carrying is too heavy for you. You know who tells you that? Someone who cares about you. You should listen to those people. The burden is too heavy for you. The third thing Jethro says to him, you and your people will wear yourselves out. This is what we call burnout, okay? If you Google church burnout, you're going to see hundreds, if not thousands of articles of pastors who have cheated on their wives, who have committed suicide, who have left the church, left the faith. And I'm not telling you that to scare you. This is the world that we live in because we expect pastors to have 18,000 followers on Twitter and to always have something smart to say and to always be this perfect person. I don't stand before you as a perfect person. I hope you know that. I'm not the guy who has all my stuff together week in and week out. I am a guy who is in desperate need of the gospel every single day. Okay? So... You and your people will wear yourselves out. The fourth thing he says, you can't do this by yourself. So I got to talk to some church planters not long ago to talk about our experience in church planting. And the one thing I told them is I would give back all of the money that was given to us to have 12 families participate in what we were doing in the place that God was calling us. People matter, okay? Not just so that we could say, hey, we have 12. I needed people in my life. Okay, so the whole, the guy who parachutes into a place all by himself, those guys don't ever make it, okay? So if you're in the room and you think God might be calling you to go do something out in the world, find people who will go with you, okay? And we can help you with that. That's what we're going to covenant to. But critical feedback is crucial to godly leaders. We need people in our lives who will speak truth in love. What I know is that I'm thankful. I'm 37, 
I'm thankful I'm not the same leader I was at 24. I'm thankful I'm not the same leader I was at 27. Now, here's my prayer. I hope that 37 is not the peak. Okay, I hope I look back at 77 and be like, man, that guy, when he was 37, he didn't know what he was doing. You know, I want to peak on my last day, right before I stand before the throne of God. Okay, but I need people in my life. And thankfully, we have godly men in this church who help in that. Okay, our elders will speak into that. There are other men, some of the most encouraging men in my life are people in this room who've walked through the same season of life that I've walked and walking in now, and they'll speak into that. Praise God for that. Okay, so let's jump into Jethro's advice. This is going to be, we're going to start in verse 19. The first piece of advice that Jethro gives to Moses is to pray for God's people. Listen to verse 19. It says this, now obey my voice, which I love that. He's, he's speaking with authority over Moses. He says, I will give you advice and God be with you, exclamation mark, okay? You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. This is what we're doing in prayer. We represent, when we pray for other people, we are petitioning to God for their good, Okay, so pray for God's people. The second thing in Moses' advice is to teach them what to do. This is discipleship, okay? Teach them what to do. The third thing is to show them what to do. Here's where I know discipleship really well, okay? It's one thing to teach people what to do. It's another thing to show them what to do, okay? So this is the way, this is how Jesus did it, okay? Jesus invited people in. He would say, drop your nets and come follow me. Okay, what did he mean by follow me? There was no part of Jesus' life that the disciples didn't have access to. Okay, so when Jesus was on the grind towards the end of his life where things were going really hard, he invited three of them in. And in his greatest need, it was those people that he surrounded himself with. Okay, show them what to do. Allow people to see how you're living your life. Uh, We talk about prayer a lot. The best way to learn how to pray is to get around people who can model prayer to you, okay? The fourth piece of Jethro's advice is to organize them in manageable groups, right? Have people over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and over tens, okay? This is why when we do things as church, our goal is to not just meet here on Sunday mornings and have a few hundred people in the room, but to get you plugged into a family group where you can live life on mission with brothers and sisters who participate in the same church as you, okay? So we're trying to get those funnels down. That's the way pastoral care works here at the branch, right? If there's something going on in your life and you have a need, the first place you take it is to your family group. And then the family group brings it to the church, to the elders, okay? That's how that works, all right? Organize them in manageable groups. The fifth thing, to choose qualified people to lead those groups. So let's look at verse 21. It says, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Trustworthy men can't be bought, okay? Trustworthy men cannot be bought. They're servants. Their number one goal is the good of the group, not the good of themselves. Man, if our world has ever needed to hear a message, we need godly men who are committed to the good of a community, okay? And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of 10. The people you put in leadership matter. This is why we pray and work so diligently when our church moves into bringing new elders on board, bringing new pastors on board. It's not like something we just draw a name out of a hat. 
It's a prayerful, long, rigorous process because who, you, who becomes leaders of a church? Those men will stand before God one day and give an account for the people, for the congregation. Choose qualified people to lead groups. Okay, the next, give leaders the authority they need to make decisions. This is where I had a really hard time when I was younger. I wanted to control everything. Here's the, here's the thought, right? Uh, if you want something done well, what? Do it yourself. Man, I'm going to tell you what, that's the greatest lie our world might have ever bought in. If you want something right, do it yourself. That's baloney. Okay? If you want something done right, teach them how to do it. And then give them the authority to do it. All right? So when we do this here at the branch, guess what we're okay with? We're okay with failure. We're not going to ever stand up here and say, hey, we got all things, we got it perfected, man. We're nailing this thing. Everything we're doing is exactly right. What we will do is, hey, here's where we messed up. Here's where we did something that was not great. And here's how we're going to improve. Okay? And this is the way that our staff meetings work. Okay? We're like, okay, hey, here's, this didn't go great. How can we fix it? All right? So if you want something done, teach others how to do it. Give them authority to make decisions. It's really hard. The last one is this. Manage by exception, not by rule. I heard it said a long time ago, do for one what you wish you could do for all. If we put a rubber stamp on our leadership model, we would fail 99.9% of you. Okay? It's the same thing in discipleship. It doesn't, we can't just say, hey, here's the playbook, go do it, good luck. Every story's different, every person's different. All our pains are different, our fears are different, our anxieties are different, okay? So we can't just say, hey, here's, this is gonna work for everyone, all right? We have to manage by exception, not by rule, all right? So prayer, teaching, modeling, managing, discernment, delegation, these are the qualities of a godly leader, Moses didn't have all these. Jethro is leading and guiding him. Now, here's what I love. In verse 22, we see a pivot, okay? We see a shift that uh, if you do these things, here's what you get, all right? And this is the fruit. The first one from verse 22 is it's going to be easier for you. Have you ever been walking in a season of life and you wish someone else would take your burden? I mean, I have. I have, Right? It will be easier for you if you delegate, if you pray, if you teach, if you model and manage. It will be easier for you. Now, that's not saying, like, get into a mode of laziness, okay? That's not the point here, right? But the, the tension that you carry, the weight that you carry, you don't have to carry that alone. The second one is this. Others will bear the burdens with you. This is the fruit of Christian community, Okay? This is why when we get into our family groups, it's not just so that we study the Bible. It's so that we get to know each other on a really deep level in order to walk through these burdens, to carry these burdens together, okay? The third is you will be obedient to God. We will grow in our Christ-likeness. What we're doing here, what Jethro is teaching Moses, is how Christ, this is what he did, okay? This is how he led and loved the disciples, so you will be obedient to God. The fourth is you will be able to endure. There's a, I remember um, growing up, there's a, there's a guy, in fact, there's a, another story, the guy in, in Dahlonega who's been pastoring the same church for 30 years. But I remember hearing, does anyone know who Eugene Peterson is? 
No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, look him up. Buy a couple of his books and read them, okay? Don't buy them and not read them, though. Uh, one person. Riley knows who he is. Two people. They're married, okay? Um, but Eugene Peterson pastored the same church for a really, 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 really long time. And it wasn't the church that you, I mean, most of you hadn't even heard his name. But Eugene was a faithful pastor. I remember there's a time in my life, and this was when I was younger, where I just had the longing to be him. I wanted to be the guy who'd been in a community for 40 years and served the same church. I wanted to see the people that I married, I wanted to see their children be baptized. Wouldn't that be cool? To see, like, I mean, we're walking through uh, premarital with a couple right now in our church. What an amazing story would it be for their kids to be baptized here at the branch and us to be a part of that, right? That's endurance. But when you go solo, you can't endure. When you have it all figured out and you won't accept criticism from others, you won't work with other people, you'll never endure. So if you do the things that Jethro is advising Moses to do, you'll have endurance. And the last thing is that people will be satisfied, right? The people of Israel had problems. That's why they kept going to Moses. Because once you put more than one person in a room, guess what? You're eventually going to have conflict. That's the way humans work, okay? So what was happening is they would have this conflict, and the first thing that they would do is they'd go to mom, right? Or they'd go to Moses, right? And they said, well, he did this to me, and she did this to me. And I'm not talking about my kids. I'm talking about y'all's kids, right? But they would, you always run to someone with your complaints, and so this entire, this is a lot of people, remember, this 600,000 men plus women and children. Okay, so this is a lot of people. Can you imagine having to field the complaints of a couple million people? I mean, that would burn me out in a hurry. I'd just quit. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm tired of listening to y'all's mess. You know, it's like we have, I don't know, there's a couple hundred people here. It would be the same thing, okay? So take it to your family group first. All right, so here's what we got to know. The people will be satisfied because they know that there's accountable men, godly men, who they can go to with their need. Put chiefs over thousands, put chiefs over hundreds, put them over fifties and over tens, right? And if it's a big enough problem, then it comes to Moses, okay? So know that's a healthy leadership model, all right? So healthy community practices shared ministry. That's why we do things the way that we do them here at the branch. We have very few programs, Okay? That's just the nature of having a rented space and uh, being in a college town. We have very few programs, but the programs we do have are required to participate, right? This is why we, what we say about family groups, what we say about college Bible study is there, our church is bigger than that, but you need to be a part of that, right? That's where we're going to grow in our Christ-likeness. So a healthy community practices shared ministry by having a plurality of qualified elders who care for the flock. All right? I don't do this by myself. I don't make decisions here by myself. I'm not, there's no authority. I, I mean, there is authority, but it's not authoritative, okay? It's not a dictatorship, all right? Gabe used to always say, who's the guy who's here before me? He's like, the elders could fire me at any time. He was right. We didn't fire him. He left on his own. But um, if, you, if you were here before that, that's funny to you. If you're not here, you're like, who, what are you talking about? That's fine too, okay? But the elders are, they don't do everything, Okay? Our elders don't do everything. You don't see Rob and Greg up here, right? And, you, and they're serving in ways that I don't serve. We work together, okay? We're a unit, all right? And where we 
Where we are weak, we need to pray and seek godly men to fill in those gaps. But every Christian has a part to play in the body of Christ. In our members meeting, we read from 1 Corinthians where it talks about the members of a body. They're all important. We all have different gifts, and they're all being used for the glory of God. That's what the church is, okay? Every Christian has a part to play. Healthy communities of faith have active members serving, loving, and praying. Those who serve best don't care about being known or having a title. All right? When you're 24, do you know what you really want? You want the title. You want power. Guess what wasn't in Jethro's advice? Power. It wasn't leverage your title. It wasn't leverage your position. It wasn't use your authority to lord over people. You know what Jethro was telling him? Be a servant. Serve others. And that's what we see in Christ Jesus. I want to read from 1 Peter 4 as we begin to close this morning. This is um, verses 7 through 11. Just listen to these words. You can go there if you want. I think it'll be on the screen. It says this. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the, this advice from Jethro, going back to the very beginning, these are not just leadership principles. Are they leadership principles? Sure they are. Are they more than that? Absolutely. This is an example of how humility before God leads to obedience to God for the glory of God and the good of God's people. That's what the church is. That's who we are. We want to invite you into that. And so as we respond, each week we take communion. And here at the branch, we have three tables in the back. You take a piece of bread and you dip it in the cup. And what we're doing in that moment is we're setting ourselves in the history of salvation, saying Christ has come, he has died to bring us back into right relationship with God. And here's how I want this to look this morning. And there's no perfect leader. There's no perfect leader in this room. I know that for a fact, okay? And so what we have to do is we have to submit ourselves to one another, and so as we take communion, let that be that form of submission, saying, you know what? Yes, I have a leadership role, or God's calling me to do something, and I think it's great. Guess what? We probably think it's great, too, and we want to equip and release you to do that. We want to make sure you're prepared, okay? And as we come to the table, that's what we're doing. It's part of our preparation. It's part of our centering, our grounding, just like Moses is being grounded into Jethro's advice. That's what we're doing at the communion table, is we're being reminded that Christ has come to bring us near. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for this text. I'm thankful that, yes, there's a lot of practical application to becoming a healthy, godly leader. But most of all, what we see here is that there was one healthy, godly leader, and it's your son, Jesus, who came into the world perfectly, fully God, fully man, who suffered who died and was buried. And our hope in his resurrection is that one day he will return 
and make all things new. And so I pray that you will help us to remember that. And I pray that you will remove pride from the room. I've been in a lot of rooms where I've led with pride. And um, God, I pray that as we see our church continue uh, to grow and to see godly leaders being raised up, that you will help us to be humble, help us to be kind, help us to love others well. God, I'm thankful that we're in a season here at the branch where we have um, people who have walked through seasons of life that other people are just now entering. And I pray that we would see a robust discipleship uh, kind of break loose here. So God, we're grateful. I pray now that as we go take communion, you would help us to remember all that you've done for us in Jesus. And we long uh, for the day when all things are made right. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.